People who work out even once a week for as little as 10 minutes a day tend to be more cheerful than those who never exercise. Isn't that crazy? 10 minutes a day can lead to an endorphin fix that can completely change how you see the world and interact with others. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance, where we talk about how you can learn to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance. I am your hostess, Kim Peek. I am a movement and mindset strategist, and I help people move better so they can get more out of life. I have always enjoyed working out, but when my kids were little, the way I was exercising wasn't effective at all. I was still going to the gym, I just wasn't seeing much benefit, and I was carrying a lot of extra baby weight that didn't come off until I started running with some gym friends that I used to refer to as my hot mama friends because they all looked amazing, and I was inspired to do what they were doing because I wanted to look like them. It was pretty simple. You can listen to that full story in one of my other podcasts, it's episode one, The point of this story, though, is that we all need to move and run for different reasons. And the reasons we choose a particular activity will change over time. At first, I ran because my friends were running, and it was a great way to connect with other moms while we were all going through that exhausting stage where we had young children and we we needed some mama time. We needed some away time. And we got to go to the gym and spend time with other moms and do something fun. And the kids got to party it up together in the gym's nursery. And everyone, every one of us, we all won. There was no mom guilt over what we were doing because our kids were in a great environment, having fun with each other. And the moms were taking care, we were all taking care of ourselves and taking care of our own needs. And that meant that when we went back home to our families, we were going to be better moms. Running was extremely hard for me at that time. I really didn't like it at all. But my friends challenged me to run with them, and they encouraged me to keep going, and so I did. But then one day, I ran three miles without stopping, and I was so proud of myself and amazed. But I felt this huge, huge sense of accomplishment. And then I kept running because I realized I could do hard things and I could challenge myself. It wasn't as much about the other people in my life anymore. It was more internal. And it wasn't as much about what I was trying to see with how my body looked. It was more how how could I push my body to perform. And then somewhere in that time frame, I realized that running helped my creativity and it helped me reduce stress. And I was a better mom because I was taking care of myself and wasn't stressed out and not that I really screamed at my kid, but you know, when you're just on the verge of you can't take it anymore, I I didn't want to be that mom anymore. And I realized that running helped me with that. And, And it's when you get to that stage, when you can tell the difference on days when you run or work out versus how you feel on days when you skip the run, that. That is what keeps you coming back after you've been exercising a long time or or even, you know, a couple of months. And that's what I always hope to help my clients get to that point where they're not doing it for how their body looks and they're not doing it for a class reunion. They're not doing it because they want somebody else to think they look hot or for that 
how they're going to look in the bikini, but they're doing it because it makes them feel good. They like how they feel about themselves after they've worked out. And eventually it just, this activity just becomes part of your identity and you refer to yourself as a runner or a crossfitter or a yogi, whatever your activity is. Not because of how fast you are or how far you run, but because it's who you are now and you like the things that runners do and you like how you feel as part of this runner community. You like what that community stands for. And I actually do believe that everyone is capable of walking or participating in a walking or running program. I know that sometimes people will say, oh, well, I can't do that. Or, well, what if my company started a corporate workout program? Not everybody could participate. It is my personal belief that everyone is capable. People who move slowly, people who have feet that hurt, or ankles that are stiff, or knees that hurt, everyone is capable. You just need some extra one-on-one time with somebody who can help you figure out where to start and how to do it in a way that is right for you so that you can get past those issues so that your feet don't hurt, so your ankles do move better. And for most people, there are solutions. Maybe you've heard of Team Hoyt. In 1977, Rick Hoyt, who is a quadriplegic with cerebral palsy, told his father, Dick Hoyt, that he wanted to participate in a five-mile benefit run for a lacrosse player who had been paralyzed in an accident. Dick agreed to push Rick in his wheelchair, and after they finished, Rick told his father, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. Since then, the father and son duo have completed over 1,000 races, including marathons and triathlons together. And when he swims... For the triathlon, the swim part portion of the triathlon, he is swimming with his son in a raft, and then the he has a rope that is tied to his back, and he's swimming, pulling a raft. I can't even imagine, but I think it is a phenomenal story, and it is amazing what these two have done together. But maybe racing or being pushed by being pushed in a wheelchair is not your idea of fun, and. That isn't really what I'm advocating is for somebody to push you in a wheelchair. But I just want to show you that you don't have to be fast. You don't have to move far. But everyone is capable of participating in some way. Even if you struggle to move right now, by taking the time to learn to move well, you will see improvement in your physical abilities. A few years ago, my dad knew he was going to San Francisco over the summer, and he knew that this trip was going to involve a bunch of walking. And he's getting up there. He turned 75 last November. But he didn't use his age as an excuse to take an Uber or to stay back while everyone else was having fun. San Francisco has hills, people. We all know that, right? To prepare for this trip, he trained. He started walking a couple of times a week, eventually getting closer to walking on most days. And my brother would go to his house to either walk with him or to help him with his exercises. And then I don't live in the same town as them. So I sent him exercise videos to teach him some exercises he could do with bands. And knowing his limitations, I chose things that he could do using a counter or a chair to help with his balance and just offer some additional support. 
And you know what was really awesome and rewarding? Every day when he finally took that trip, he was so proud of how well he walked. And he would send me a text each day with his daily step count. And some days he was walking six miles. And this is a guy who just a few months before had had something bad happen to him um, that attacked basically his nervous system. And he was in the hospital for a week. And when he got out of the hospital, he could hardly walk. And they had talked about maybe needing to put him in a short-term care facility because his his wife, my stepmom, was too small to be able to lift this 200-and-something pound man if he fell. But he was determined to learn how to walk and to move again. And he took that determination and he took the baby steps that I'm always talking about until he was able to go on this vacation and do a big walking vacation that included miles and miles of walking a day. So that is my lengthy introduction to this week's topic. Last week, I talked about the benefits of a workplace wellness program, and I heard two big concerns from people. And that was one, that not everyone would be able to participate because of their current physical condition. So I think I've already addressed some of those issues in my introduction here. But the second thing I heard from people was that their boss wasn't supportive and they didn't know how to sell even just the two-minute breaks that I advocate, didn't know how to sell that to their company. So how do you sell a wellness program to upper management? How do you even do your own thing with a small group without being accused of goofing around during the workday? Today, I'm going to give you a few numbers because the people who think it's a waste of time are often number crutchers, and they want to know that you're not wasting their money when you're off on a walk during lunch hours while they are paying you to work. They want to know that they're paying you to work, not walk, right? I get it. So let's look at some numbers that will help them understand the value of this work place wellness program. 51% of organizations surveyed by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans said their wellness efforts improved employee satisfaction and engagement. An additional survey published by Quantum Workplace and Limeade found that employees were 38% more engaged and 18% more likely to go the extra mile when they felt their employees cared, employers cared about their well-being. They were also 17% less likely to quit that year. Your company wants happy employees. Happy employees are more engaged and more productive. And happy employees are less likely to quit. It costs less to retain a good employee than to take the time to recruit and train a new employee. So right there, we're impacting the bottom line by keeping the people happy. You're not having to spend money to recruit and train someone new. A report from Gallup on well-being and engagement found that those who were engaged and reported good well-being were 27% more likely to report that their performance at work was excellent. Again, bosses want engaged, productive, high performers. And there is strong evidence that workplace wellness programs deliver exactly that. In yet another study, they looked at the stock market performance of 45 companies that earned high marks for health and wellness, and they found that those companies actually outperformed the hundreds, hundreds of the U.S.'s largest companies. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, too. 
Wellness programs help with attention, motivation, focus, and sense of well-being. And they contribute to productivity, sense of belonging, and help people work better as a team. Bam. So much bang for your buck. Even if you're not paying for a wellness program, even if it's a casual thing, your company is more likely to outperform or be one of those high-performing companies just by taking care of your people and their well-being. The Quantum Workplace Study also tells us that employees are 17% less likely to quit within a 12-month period when they feel their employer cares about their wellness. Again, we talked about employer retention. That's a good one, right? According to an American Institute of Stress report, 80% of workers experience stress at work. Almost 50% of workers would like help managing stress, and 42% of workers believe their coworkers also need help managing stress. I have to chuckle at that one because I guess that means that they're noticing the rage that other people bring or the negative attitudes that people bring. And we all know we don't like to be in negative environments. So you can address all of these things again as part of a wellness program. Even if you looked only at having the entire team, entire company train for a 5K together, running helps reduce and manage stress. It's fun. People feel involved and engaged. And all of that will lead to less stress at work and people who are happier. Experts from John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health analyzed surveys to determine the overall perceptions of wellness programs from employee and employer perspectives. Their analysis showed that about 59.4%, so close to 60%, of employees think employers should attempt to improve, improve the health of their workers. Employees are busy at work. They're busy at home. They want to be able to have dinner with their family and help coach the Little League team. Employers who include wellness programs are also helping their employees lead better lives outside of work. When people are less stressed at work, they come home with less stress, which improves their lives at home. And you don't want to be the person who is coming home to your family distracted, angry, upset. You want to be there living life with your family and you want to be there involved and actively engaged and listening and knowing what's going on with your family. So again, another benefit of just offering some sort of a wellness program to help reduce stress because people who have happy home lives also make better employees. Times are changing rapidly in the workplace we're hearing all kinds of thoughts that maybe there will be another recession, but with any kind of change in the economy, we and we're also having changes related to technology, lots of downsizing. You even hear about all the drama or all the thoughts people have around whether Target and Walmart should have automated checking. We're downsizing. We're getting rid of, rid of some employees because of technology. And I remember back to my old cable television days when we were constantly being bought and traded as all the companies were jockeying to set up their organizations to be in the best position to compete basically in what eventually became today's television landscape. Everybody was trying to figure out what they needed, what kind of people they needed, what kind of technology they needed so that they would be in the best position for now. And with all of that, 
came a lot of buying and selling of companies and people being traded and people wondering if they were going to have a job. And think about the stress when you hear managers whispering and top executives in closed door meetings. People wonder, are they going to have a job? Will I keep that job title I have? Will I keep my same pay? Will I have to move? How is this going to affect my life? This is human nature. But people also need tools for learning how to handle change and stress. And again, we know that yoga, meditation, running, all of these things help us manage stress, get us out of the work environment, let us process our thoughts. Top researchers at Gallup found that employees who are engaged at work and also experience high levels of well-being were 45% more likely than other employees to adapt to change. It's so important to be able to be a person who adapts to change and to have employees who adapt to change because our world is changing so fast. So adaptable employees don't spend lots of time worrying about the changes. They take a deep breath. They look at the situation. They figure how they need to respond. And then they roll up their sleeves and they contribute and they get the job done. Exercise helps that. Another thing I heard last week was that when people tried to take their walking breaks or do two minutes of exercises at their desk, people in the office, especially their managers, looked at them like they were slacking. If you are a manager, it's important that you set the tone by participating and communicating the benefits of how exercise is going to help in the workplace. And I've given you lots of examples here, so I hope you're starting to realize and really truly believe that there is a benefit to having movement breaks and exercise as part of your workday. You need to set the tone and know that show, show that it's a valued activity. I read a great story in the book Brave Leadership by Kimberly Davis, where she talked about a program that she taught at a large organization. There were multiple employee sessions that an upper level level manager was supposed to kick off. And so for the first one, the first leader showed up 20 minutes late after it had been beat into everybody that this was an important initiative and everybody needed to show up time on time. So they get there and this manager is late and he's late and he's not showing and people are getting agitated. He finally shows up 20 minutes late. He stands in front of the room and continues texting before he finally looks up at them, kind of sighs, low energy, doesn't seem excited and basically gives a low energy speech about how he knows that everybody's busy, but I hope you'll take the time to listen to this speaker. He acted like the presentation was going to be a waste of everyone's time. And so he gave a quick, uninspiring speech, and then he left the room and left all these people with the presenter. It took that presenter the next three hours to get the group engaged and excited to be part of the program and learning. Now, in the next session, a different manager came in to kick it off, and he showed up 20 minutes early. He greeted employees, and he asked questions about them, truly caring about them and their experience at the company, talked to them as they were walking in, making small talk, developing relationships. And before he kicked off the event, he gave a speech about how he had been through the program earlier that year, and he told them how it had changed his life. Now, which of those two people do you think had the most engaged group? Of course, the most engaged group was with the guy who gave the speech, 
who talked it up and told them what they were going to learn was going to be life-changing and valuable. It is time we think about how we position things as leaders. And it's time that we understand that people are watching our reactions and they're eagle, eager for our approval. People want to know that you care. They want to know what you value. And if you are acting like they aren't valuable or what you're teaching them isn't valuable, why are they going to tune in and care? They might as well be twiddling on their phones. We spend an average of 9.5 hours a day sitting and 7.5 hours a day sleeping. That's 17 hours a day that we are not actively moving. Now, we also know that sedentary lifestyles increase risk for diabetes and heart disease and other diseases such as cancer. You want to be healthy. You want your employees to be healthy, not just because it's more profitable to have people at work, but also because you want to have your employees live an active, healthy lifestyle because healthy, active people are happier people and you don't need any more Debbie Downers at work, right? Now, my passion is running, and I would love to work with you to help your company train for a 5K together. The key is to make it fun for everyone. If you have people who don't feel up for walking or running the event, maybe they could enroll in a relay option, or maybe they could participate in other group activities that are related to the training. So you could have morning stretching routines, morning stretching sessions, or maybe a lunchtime strength workout. Those kinds of things, even for somebody who is not a walker or a runner, those kinds of things are easily adaptable with lots of options for people everywhere across the spectrum of ability and strength and mobility. Or you could have an evening track session. So maybe the people aren't into running far, but maybe they can come work on speed because speed is relative. You can always work on getting faster. And you can set up an environment without judgment so that everybody feels supported in doing, working at their own level, at their own pace, working right where they are. You could also even have a group of people working on t-shirt design or have a group that helps with lobby decorations. People, the ways you can get your people involved are endless. Make it fun, be creative, get everybody on board participating in some way. But I can help you with something like that if you would like to have your company train together, if you'd like somebody to come in and talk on any aspect of training or wellness for a lunch and learn or an evening reception, workshop, whatever, we, we can do that. But what else could you do to keep it fun and help people improve their health? Because really, like we've been talking this whole time, it's all about getting people having fun engaging people, getting them to interact, and also improving their health. You could bring in a nutritionist to present ways to make over lunches, do lunch makeovers, and help them learn how to make snacks that are healthy and work-friendly. Maybe you could have someone come in to teach yoga or get someone to teach desk stretches or even have that person roam the office and offer tips on how to change work setups how they could incorporate standing desks, how they can work on stretches right from their desks based on where that each individual person is having pain and tightness. Of course, I'm still in love with the lunchtime recess idea. 
And as I'm thinking about spring and summer, I can imagine offices all over my city going out to parking lots or to grassy areas near their offices and having lunchtime recess, scooter races, playing with soccer balls and hula hoops, jump roping, playing volleyball. My husband's office does a thing in the summer where they grill out on Fridays. Wouldn't lunchtime recess make a great addition to a grill day? I think it would be so much fun. What if you had a team building day that was like a field day that you had in elementary school? What if you did three-legged races and barrel races and duck-duck goose and football throwing contests? Or maybe you took an afternoon off and invited some clients to meet you for a boot camp or a Pilates class that was just for your company and its special guests. Or maybe you changed that to a happy hour. Go ahead and serve hors d'oeuvres or cocktails at the end of it and make it, make it like a networking event. You could also reward your top employee top performers on a weekly basis. You could keep it fair by rewarding people on some random criteria that doesn't involve anything related to being the fastest or the most fit or the most push-ups or whatever you're measuring. You can do some random things so that everybody has a an opportunity to be recognized and rewarded. And you know, those could be something super random like today we're going to reward the person who had a green apple in their lunch, or we're going to reward the person who brought the most unusual vegetable in their lunch. As a reward, you could also give out time off to work out or give somebody a full day off to go have a spa day or anything that complements what your team's wellness goals are. It could be big or it could be something super small. Another idea I love is to make it feel like a high school spirit week. Maybe once a week or once a month, whatever fits with your time frame, leading up to your big event or your leading up to that 5K that we could do together, you have a theme day on a Friday. And it could be Hawaiian day or team color day or 70s dress up day. And reward people for things like best costumes. You could also include healthy lunch options or snacks that tie into the theme. So maybe on Hawaiian day or luau day, Maybe you serve pineapple, whatever. You know, just make it fun. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be elaborate. Just try to come up with something that at least keeps it festive. Or if you did the 70s dress-up day, maybe you had a five-minute dance party set to disco music over lunch. Or on Hawaiian day, maybe you had somebody come in and teach everybody how to hula dance. Again, get people moving. It doesn't have to be hardcore high-intensity interval. It doesn't have to be running. It could be just anything that gets people moving and laughing and smiling. Another book I read this year that I've really enjoyed is called Blissful Ignorance. It's by Cassidy Phillips, who is the founder of Triggerpoint. And that's the company that you probably know as a foam roller company. In the book, he reminds us that people spend more time at work than they do with their families. So we want to work with people we like, people who make us feel like part of the team, people who we can who we do care about and who also we feel like they care about us too. Your work family is part of your family because you do spend so much time with them. So he talks a little bit about millennials, which we all kind of know is that group of employees that employers love to hate because everybody has so many negative things about them. But let's look at look at his perspective. He says that they are looking for things their actual family didn't give them. 
the average millennial grew up as a latchkey kid, maybe splitting his life between the two homes of divorced parents. They got a lot of gifts, but maybe not so much quality time. And they were the generation that was given participation trophies. And because of that, they weren't necessarily taught how to overcome challenges to achieve excellence. So this means that when they come to work for you, they are looking for close, fulfilling relationships and good communication. Yes, even at work, they're looking for close, fulfilling relationships. Cassidy says that in 2020, that's next year, 75% of our global workforce will be millennials. And if you only care about what they can do for you, you are going to lose them. However, the solution is pretty simple. They just want to know you care about them and that they matter to you and that you value and enjoy them for who they are. I know you're probably thinking this sounds a lot like being a parent, but guess what? Being a manager is a little bit like being a a parent. You are there to oversee what's going on, to help people make good choices, and to give love and support. Those are the things that are going to help you get the most growth out of your company. So how do you do this? One way is to get on board with the idea of starting a wellness program in your company. You can start small. It doesn't need to be fancy or high tech. Just get people out talking and laughing and moving together. This will encourage interaction and casual conversation which will help relationships develop. Then get out and participate and mingle with them. Show them you care. Show them you're interested. If you are somebody who is not good at small talk, this is perfectly tailor-made for you because just by participating, when you're doing an activity with somebody, it's easier to make the chit-chat. So it's great for introverts as well. Most importantly, Stop complaining about the lack of productivity in your office, the lack of engagement, the lack of ideas, and the lack of passion. You have the tools to take steps and turn these things around. When you get people moving, make it fun. Make it a party. It will not destroy the momentum of your day. It will not destroy anything you're trying to achieve. Instead, it will energize people to be their best. I'll end today with two quotes from Cassidy Phillips of Trigger Point. He says, if we're not growing, we're dying. And what you tolerate, you accept. If I can help you or you want to chat about a fitness program for yourself or your team, send me an email at coachkim at thepowerofrun.com. You probably hear my puppy barking. That's because it is now time for my daughter to come home from lunch. So I am going to go have some mommy-daughter time. And I want you all to have a great week. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I'm Coach Kim Peek of Power of Run. And you can find me at www.crushingmygoals.com or on all social media as at sign power of run. If you liked this episode, be sure to give the podcast some love over on iTunes and remember to subscribe as a new podcast. Your reviews and stars and subscribes will help me grow the audience so that I can share my love of health and fitness and bring more experts to the show. Power up your week and I will catch you next Tuesday.